0: On today's show, I interview women's travel guru, Kelly Lewis, about her journey of switching gears during the pandemic to write an inspirational nonfiction book called Tell Her She Can't. First, on to my personal update. So I finally published my nonfiction work from home book called Should You Work From Home? The Truth About Remote Work and How to Find Real Remote Jobs Fast. I'm just editing the audiobook version now and hope to have that done by next week. So pretty excited about that. I am also finally starting revisions on book three of the Artemis Necklace series. For this revision, I've set a deadline this time and I've enlisted a friend to help me actually stick to it. So hopefully that will help me stay on track and actually get the edits done by the date that I have set. In other news, my husband is working on drywalling the room I use as a recording studio, so I'm pretty excited about that. Maybe this summer I won't randomly have bees coming in from the open wall or spiders hanging overhead. You know, because you gotta have goals here. All right, I think that's all I have for this week, so let's get to the interview with Kelly Lewis. Today I'm speaking with Kelly Lewis, who is the founder of Women's Travel Fest and has been making travel better and safer for women since 2010. Her brands include Go, Girl Guides, Women's Travel Fest, and Damesley. On today's show, we'll be focusing on her latest book, Tell Her She Can't, which is an inspirational nonfiction book for women who refuse to let haters stop them. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, super stoked to have you. And can you tell me, I know I just kind of gave a little bit of information about you, but can you tell me a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Um, I have been an entrepreneur in the women's travel industry
1: for the past 10 years, and I'm super, super passionate about helping women to kind of tap into their personal power by traveling the world. It's certainly something that I have drawn upon in my own life. I really think that travel is an awesome way of sort of showing yourself your own strengths and your mm-hmm. own capabilities. And I know that just throughout my life, I have commonly referred back to my memories and been like, girl, you hiked Machu Picchu. Like, you got this, like you can do this. So, um, so travel has really been an important Thing for me, and it's been my career for the past ten years, um, specifically with women's travel, um, and now I'm moving into a new phase as an author of an upcoming book that I'm so excited about, and I can't wait to tell you more.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about that. So the book it's called "Tell Her She Can't," mm-hmm. right? And it comes out around International Women's Day, and I, I hear that it's being called the "Fu Anthem" of our generation, which I, I love that. Um, and so, can you tell me? Can you tell me about this book and who would benefit the most from reading it? Totally. So quick
1: backstory. So before I was ever an entrepreneur in the women's travel space, before I found any success in that area, I was a little girl growing up in an abusive and chaotic environment that constantly told me all that I could not do. Mm. So I heard basically every day since age three that I was fat stupid that i'd never make it that i'd end up being a stain on society that you know nothing i did would change my destiny because i was destined to be nothing mm. and these kinds of things you know embedded in my head for a really long time and i remember when i was 11 years old after a really big fight with my my step father. Um, Mm -hmm. My mom came into my room and she sat down on my bed and she said, you know, I'm really sorry things are the way they are, but you have two choices in front of you. You can let this destroy you or you can use this as fuel. And I knew in that moment that I really didn't have a choice. You know, if I wanted a successful life, if I wanted any kind of positive future for myself, I had to find a way to channel that negativity into fuel and that's when i realized that negativity and chaos can be fuel and i think kind of too often we associate these things with anger and we associate women who are angry as you know bad or they're frowned upon for those Mm -hmm. emotions and i actually think that those kinds of emotions can be really really powerful and can be channeled into a greater force for good So for me, it became a matter of like, you know, just watch me. Like, let me show you. I'm not going to be defined by you or anyone else. I knew that I could not be defined by what other people said that I could and could not do. I knew that I had the potential in me to live a beautiful, limitless life. I knew that I had the potential in me to be even more successful than the people who told me that I couldn't. And I knew that I had to find a way to use that. As a force for good. So, flash forward (laughs) um, 20 years or so. And I'm a working professional living in New York City. And I was taking a shower, which is where all great ideas come. And I just started hearing, tell her she can't, tell her she can't, like this phrase repeated to me over and over again. And I was like, that is so my motto. Like, that, you know, everything that I have done has been to prove other people wrong and to not be defined by their limitations. And so that's kind of when the seeds for this project began. But, you know, as I and then coronavirus hit. Right. So, of course, right. yeah. So goodbye, travel industry career um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for now. And so I finally had the time and the space to really be creative and to think more about this project. And as I started to to walk down the road of what it would look like to actually write this into a book, I began to think about all of the strong women that I know, the women that I have shared the stage with at Women's Travel Fest, women who really inspire me. And I realized that my story is not actually all that unique. A lot of strong women have had difficult pasts, have had to overcome things. And so I started thinking, you know, what about women who've gone through things that I haven't because, you know, I'm still a white woman born in the Western world. So I started doing interviews with different women. I reached out to some ladies that I knew had gone through difficult times and had come out the other side thriving. And they introduced me to a few more and a few more and a few more. And before I knew it, I had interviewed almost 100 women, you know, all that they had overcome and the resilience and defiance that they drew upon to help them become more successful. And that's kind of how this project was born.
0: Wow, that's awesome. So it's a, a lot of information from from other women as well.
1: Yeah, totally. So I structured the book. I actually ended up categorizing these ladies into a series of power words that I felt described their personalities. So the book has stories from my own life and then stories from women that I'm deemed the changemakers, the trailblazers, the survivors, the warriors, the champions, the visionaries, women who've really gone through so much and come out the other side, just kicking butt. And it's changed not only like my view of my childhood, but my view of potential because, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, it's been a really healing project. It's like, closed the loop of trauma for me because it gives that trauma a purpose. And, I think that that's something that I heard over and over from these different different ladies, you know, that they had done too. And so it's really just turned into such a beautiful book and soon to be a podcast. And I mean, I think it's just sharing these stories of not being afraid to be stubborn and to be defiant and to follow what you know is true and right for you has really really just made me feel like infinite, like my my potential, anyone's potential is limitless. And so that's such a cool energy to be drawing upon in
0: 2020, which
1: <laughs> has very much felt like the opposite at times. Correct. Yes,
0: exactly. And so it sounds like one of your, your true gifts is to turn sort of negativity into a fuel that kind of pushes you forward towards your goals. Did you experience any naysayers or negativity when you set out to write this book? Um, No, not
1: from anyone around me. Actually, it's, it's ended up being a really healing force for Mm. myself and my family. You know, when I first started writing this book, obviously I was thinking like, I'm so scared, like, can I really tell these stories, you know, am I going to hurt the people, Mm -hmm. you know, involved, and just all of these kinds of resistances, Um, Mm -hmm. but it ended up forcing me to have some really open conversations with my mom and share some specific memories, and that led to a period of us really healing and putting these kinds of things behind us and her saying, you know what? This is your lived experience. This is your story. You write it. Like, write it no matter what. And that permission really changed the game for me because I think for a long time in my life, I've always just been afraid of disappointing other people or doing the wrong thing or not being good enough or, you know, all of these sorts of things that we think in our head. And mm-hmm. her saying, like, just do it really and and then not only that but like reading the book supporting me through that even though it doesn't at times make her look that great you know she has really been the person who has given me the power to kind of get through it. But it wasn't so much other people saying that I couldn't. It's just that I heard this voice for so long that I started to believe it. And that's what mm-hmm. happens when, we, when we're when we around people who have limiting voices and limited energy. It's like their voices become your own. So you start hearing them in your head. You know, you can't do that. Who do you think you are to write a book? You're not qualified to write a book. You know, all of these sorts of things. And of course your rational mind is like, Well, actually I'm a journalist and you know, actually I went to journalism school and like all of these sorts of things. You justify it, but there's a fear beneath Mm -hmm. it. And so in the process of just doing it, I've been able to kind of blast through that fear. And now all I feel is pride and excitement and like a sense of honor because I'm honored that these women have shared their stories with me. And it is such a gift to be able to, to tap into this energy. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know it sounds probably, it, it's awkward for me to like brag on myself, right? It's not like my default. <laughs> but I do feel that this book, has a new message because I think women are so often told like, you need to forgive and forgiveness is the way forward. And I do think that like forgiveness is awesome, but I also think it's okay to be angry Mm -hmm. and to be upset at the things that have sucked in your life and to not let those define you. You know, like you can feel all of that and you can use it as fuel. Like that still doesn't have to
0: be what stops Mm -hmm. you. Nice. That's the energy that I'm going for. Nice. I like it. And so you might have sort of answered this or maybe you have a different answer, but would you say that that was your biggest challenge when writing the book or did you run into anything else that was a big challenge while, you know, putting the book together and interviewing these women?
1: Yeah, I mean, logistically, (laughs) putting the book together with so many voices Mm -hmm. was a challenge because... I, I didn't have them write their chapters. So like I am trained in journalism. So what I would do is interview them and then retell their stories using quotes. And Mm -hmm. so then that had to go back to them for their approval. And there was a lot of back and forth between myself and 50 people. Oh, wow. That that took a while. Right. But yeah, I mean, it was logistically, it was a challenge, but it really turned into like the fabric of feminine resilience, you know, like it, I didn't realize at the time what I was weaving together, but now when I look at it, I'm like, oh man, it's so cool. It's just so, it, it's just, it's awesome that it came out of me. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> so I think that was a challenge. And then, yeah, emotionally, the other difficult part was having to relive some of the things that mm-hmm. I included in the book mm-hmm. and sharing some darker kind of, you know, I'm a pretty like generally open person. But these are stories I've never told before. Mm. And these are hard stories to remember memories to sift through, you know, experiences to reflect upon. And like, all of that was really challenging. And then there's also this challenge that happens as a creative of like, you put this body of work together, and you're so proud of it. But then you then have to become the person who can stand in front of this body of work and say, hey, look what I did. Mm -hmm. And that's also another type of growth that I didn't expect or understand. And I kept saying to my friends, like, I feel like I'm starting to fill out my footprint. Mm. And they were like, what do you mean by that? And I'm like, it's like I'm growing into the expanse of who I have always been, but have been afraid to be. Mm. And that's, that's a surprising challenge as a creative. And it's been kind of a beautiful process to go through because, you know, are we ever healed enough to say like, hey, here's, here's all the things that I went through and look what I learned from it. You know, life is continually a process of, of learning and growing. So,
0: Great. so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what habits do you feel that you have that have helped you to succeed in writing your book? Well, I've always been a writer. So
1: that's a, a good, you know, I've always it's been always a awful. journaler. <laughs> right. Journaler um I stand on stage every year and interview women so interviewing is really like something that I I love to do and I love to hear stories and to tell stories I think the other part of it is being super detail oriented yeah (laughs) I feel like those are specific things that helped me to write this book and the other part was just like letting myself cry letting myself eat ice cream Letting myself, you know, like watch TLC while eating peanut butter from the jar, okay. if that's what it took, because some days were really emotional. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to explain that, you know, to your partner or to the people around you, just to be like, I don't know how to tell you that what I wrote today was really triggering, mm-hmm. because even though I can tell you those stories, but I can't tell you that feeling. Right. And so a lot of it was like giving a, a lesson and giving myself some grace and some
0: leeway just to feel and to write and to process. Mm -hmm. To kind of talk a little bit about like fear, specifically fear of failure. I've definitely found that fear of failure is a huge block for a lot of women that sort of holds them back from even taking that first step towards their goals. But one thing that you talk about is how failure helped you to succeed, Mm -hmm. right? And so can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like a classic
1: story of facing your fear. So for me, fear of failure is like one of my largest fears, right? Mm -hmm. But then actually Mm -hmm. failing, like once you do it, it's like you're looking at the boogeyman, right? So you're not afraid anymore. So Mm -hmm. I I think that we put so much pressure on ourselves to do everything perfectly and to not let anyone see the bits in between. And I have found, honestly, that being more transparent about the bits in between, about the process and the pains and the struggles and the vulnerabilities like that has almost turned into another source of power because, you know, we're, everyone is alike. We all want the same things. We all, of course, we all want success. Would it be great if we could Mm -hmm. just wake up and, you know, just have everything that we wanted without anyone seeing the, the struggle that it took to get there, of course, but Mm -hmm. that's not real life. And certainly for creatives, that is not, the way things happen. <laughs> I think failure is right. just you got to be you got to be buddies with failure. I mean, you just have to. And I feel that I have failed <laughs> in many ways. I think, you know, certainly in entrepreneurship. Gosh, it took me years to get to a place I should have been years ago. You know what I mean? Like I did things the wrong mm-hmm. way a lot until I realized there was a better way to do things. And that's life, right? Like you have to be unafraid to fail because Failure is just another lesson and it's just another experience. And it honestly it isn't real. Like there I don't I don't really think there is a failure. Like everything is an opportunity to course correct. And so I think in putting this book out, I've certainly had nights where I'm like, oh my God, I'm sharing all these deep secrets. Like this stuff is so personal to me and it's so painful and it's so powerful. And like, what if it comes out and people hate it? What if people, you know, like, what Mm -hmm. if it's still not enough? What if I'm still not enough? And what if it fails? But what if it fails? Like, so what? It'll It'll still be powerful to me. It's been healing and releasing for me and I, there is no failure. So <laughs> I just had to kind of reframe that in my head. And yeah, I all the time I hear this from women, like, I want to do it, but you know, I don't know how. And it's like, that's not really it. It's not the figuring out the how it's letting yourself be okay with the what happens if the what happens if I fail, it's letting yourself be okay, and giving yourself permission to do it anyway. That's all just
0: logistics, you know? And now, if you could give just one piece of advice to women who have a goal that they have just started to tackle, what would you what would you say that is? Oh, no pressure right? <laughs> I, honestly, I would say jump
1: in all the way like don't don't go slowly because you think you need to because you don't have the answers because the time will not always sort out those answers for you. I wish that I had in entrepreneurship, I wish that I had invested in coaching earlier. I wish that I had hired earlier. I wish that I had, you know, invested in Proper design earlier. Like it's scary when it's money Mm -hmm. because you don't know, right, what the potential of something is. And so for a really long time, we stay in this in between place. And I did it for years. I was, I bartended for a solid decade. I mean, my business was six or seven years old before I was finally like, I think actually this is holding me back more than it's pushing me forward. But letting go of something to pursue what you really want it can feel like you're on the monkey bars right and you're like i know i'm slipping but reaching seems really scary and like you just have to you just have to to let yourself reach to trust that even if you fall you'll be okay so i wish that i had trusted myself enough and given myself the permission to jump sooner and there's no way of knowing mm. like how my life would be had I done that, but I think about it often. So, mm,
0: gotcha.
1: I do think that that goes back again to self worth and you know trust in self. Yeah, for me, it's this whole journey of entrepreneurship and writing a book and being a better human. I mean, has been so complicated, right? But it has involved like the biggest leaps that I have taken have come when I have involved other people, whether therapists, hypnotherapists. Um, life coaches, business coaches, then I see things expanding
0: in leaps and bounds. No, yeah, I think that's fantastic advice. I like the monkey bars analogy. Because mm-hmm.
1: it's scary, right? Yeah. And you're like, oh, it God, is.
0: I don't know, you know, if I'm going to make it or what if I, I can touch
1: it, I can kind of see it, I can feel it on my pinky finger. But you know, you just got to trust that you can push yourself off. And sometimes, mm-hmm. and sometimes what I also know is that when you finally do, everything goes haywire. Like literally, like you're like, oh crap! I made a terrible decision because when I finally quit bartending and I was managing a bar in the East Village, and you know, I thought I'd never make more money in my life. When I finally did quit, everything in my life went belly up. My relationship ended abruptly. My grandmother passed away. I mean, all these things happened in like three days. Oh wow! But I do think that's also kind of what happens. Like when you ask for your life to change in such dramatic ways like it does mm-hmm. and it sort of tests you to be like is this what you really want like do you really think you could do this and um i know in in the months following that i kept being like am i going to make it mm-hmm. <laughs> am i going to actually make it but then now and i still ask myself that like am i am i is it Happening. <laughs> okay. am, am I safe yet? But I still find a way. My rent still gets paid and my bills still get paid and I still have food and I feel pretty, pretty comfortable. And I live a life that I could not have imagined nice three years ago when I was saying, like, oh, you're never gonna make and you're never gonna make as much money. And that that is a lie. <laughs> that is an absolute lie. So um yeah, I guess it just comes down to letting yourself be afraid and doing it anyway, mm-hmm. you know, letting the world say like I don't know if you can do it. And being like, well, maybe you should just watch me. (laughs) I like it. Is that the next book? Just watch me? Yeah. So actually, I'm thinking about turning uh, Tell Her She Can't into a series. Oh, okay. So it'll probably be something along the lines of like, tell her she can't love, tell her she can't travel, tell her she can't be an entrepreneur, like all the things that society tells women that we can and can't do. And that is specifically a gender thing because you know, even I've watched my mother's generation and my mother's mother's generation really live lives that are smaller than what they wanted because they didn't know they could mm-hmm. because society was like no you have kids you raise them that's what you do you're a receptionist and that's your you're in the box and that's your box and so I think what's cool about society now and future generations is like we get to redefine what our lives look like, and really establish that there are no boxes except the ones we define for ourselves. Right. And so, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> I, love, I love to see where society is going. Yeah, no, I think it's fantastic.
0: And so, where can we learn more about you
1: and your book? Sure, I'm pretty much everywhere on the internet at Go Kelly Lewis. And you can find out more about the book at
0: Com. Perfect. And there'll definitely be links in the show notes, listeners. And actually, can you tell me a little bit more about Resilience Fest? I hear that you're going to maybe do a launch for the book around International Women's Day.
1: Yes. So International Women's Day is Kind of Christmas to me. I love it so much. (laughs) Um, And I almost always, I have always held Women's Travel Fest over International Women's Day for the past eight years. Well, COVID changed that. So I had to push Women's Travel Fest to August 20th to the 22nd for 2021. And With the book coming out on International Women's Day, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we did like a big online party? So I'm calling it Resilience Fest, and it'll feature some women who are um, in the book and their stories of overcoming and using adversity as fuel and how they push themselves to live big, badass, beautiful lives. And I can't wait. Fantastic. Well,
0: thank you so much for coming on the show today, Kelly. Thank you for having me. So I have to say, while I was editing that interview, I definitely found myself laughing out loud a few times. If Kelly put her sense of humor into her book, Tell Her She Can't, then I bet it'll be a pretty great read. There were so many things that Kelly said in this interview, but there were two that really stuck with me that I was ready to hear again during the editing process. And the first was how Kelly talked about negativity and chaos being a fuel that we women can channel into something else. There is most definitely this idea that we should be just positive all the time and sort of suppress negative emotions like anger and automatically find forgiveness and just sort of move on from whatever happened so as to let go of anger and frustration. And while it's a good thing to like move on from things, I also agree with Kelly on this. First, it's always okay to feel those negative feelings and sit with them for a time and just sort of accept them for what they are. And it's usually a valid response to a situation. The idea that we must be positive all the time has led to a sort of toxic positivity in our society where it's become unacceptable to express those negative emotions. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying you should like sit in those negative feelings forever or that you should act on them and lash out at anyone. But as Kelly said, we can channel those feelings into something else, for example, in my last position, after training and mentoring new co-workers, then helping to train my new manager, I learned from higher level management that they would never consider me for a manager role unless I A. moved in order to sit in a physical office instead of working from home and B. left the organization to gain official management experience elsewhere first. I was pretty livid and felt like I'd sort of hit a ceiling at that organization. I mean, I was doing really well in that role, and I could have stayed in that role, but I know that I would have stagnated after some time. You know, when you don't have something to sort of work towards, it's hard to keep up that level of performance. And in that kind of situation, it's very easy to kind of become bitter at being denied an opportunity for upward mobility. But instead, I channeled that anger into starting my own business. Am I still bitter? Okay, maybe a little, but since starting my business, I've gained so many new skills in social media management, audio editing, building a brand, customer relationship management, and podcasting. So now I'm thankful that they said no. If they would have said yes, I'd still be there and I wouldn't have my business or host this podcast, let alone be publishing three to four books a year. So next time you experience a negative emotion like anger or sadness at a situation or you know in reaction to someone else sit with that feeling for a moment and see if it can be channeled and transformed into something good the other thing that i really wanted to circle back to from my interview with kelly was when she talked about hearing other women say that they want to do something but say that they don't know how and how that's not really what's happening in those situations Instead, what's happening is that these women are afraid of failing at the thing. And so instead of trying with the potential to fail, they say they don't know how to do something. And so then they don't ever have to start. The thing is, we can't really say that we don't know how to do something anymore. If it's something that others have done before, then there's bound to be instructions on YouTube. How do you think I learned how to edit audio? Hell, my husband once rebuilt an entire motorcycle engine using just YouTube videos to guide him. We live in a pretty amazing time when you can pull a phone from your pocket and look up the answer to just about anything. But that also means that we no longer have the ability to say we don't know how to do something. It's truly no longer a valid excuse, which means that the real reason you're not doing something is because one of those damn fears is holding you back. It could be the fear of failure, fear of success, or as I went over in episode number 35, fear of losing interest in that goal. Other fears might include, you know, fear of mediocrity, fear of competition, or fear of the unknown. I haven't dug into those other fears and discussed them on the show yet, but I will soon. And of course, there might be a book in the works for those. All of that boils down to this. We have to start recognizing that when we say, I don't know how to do that, that it's really just fear talking, holding you back from moving forward with your goal. The simple yet scary task of Googling how to do that thing can actually help you get unstuck from that fear even just a little bit. Take it one tiny step at a time, right? Look up how to do that thing and then follow the first direction for moving towards your goal. Give yourself permission to take baby steps. They are so much less scary and less overwhelming than trying to do everything all at once. The slower you take it, the more likely you are to avoid mistakes. Go find out, right? All right, that's it for today's show. I hope that you enjoyed the interview with Kelly. If so, definitely check out her book. You can find the link for it in the show notes. Join me next week for a solo show on making space in your life for change. Until then, go find out. Thanks for listening to the show today. I hope you found the information beneficial and that it helps you tackle your own go find out goals. You can find more episodes and the show transcripts at gofindoutpodcast.com. You can also let me know what you thought of the show by tweeting me at GFO podcast or follow me on Instagram at Go find out Podcast. That's it for today. Now go find out.